0: Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about um, creativity and um, resetting yourself and getting over um Various issues that can come up in your life and just, you know, just, just a creative reset. And so um, I'm currently in the midst of doing a creative reset. So I thought it was timely to have a conversation about it. Um, lots of things can kind of throw us off our stride when it comes to, to writing. Uh, your health, um, stressful situations going on around you, uh, relationship stress, moving, um, losing a loved one. Uh, those are big events in your life that cause a great deal of stress falling in love stressful super stressful getting married actually comparable to stress to a funeral moving actually comparable stress-wise to a funeral I mean, like, not emotionally, obviously, but these th- these things are extremely stressful on your brain, on your body, and um, they can th- they can throw you off. Graduating college, anytime you do a drastic change to your circumstances, whether it be like where you live or where you work or who you live with, um, having a baby, major life events, fuck you up, right? Exactly, Senna, and so. Um, and then all the, the other times it could be a little thing that can throw you off creatively. Or it could be the entire MCU. Yeah. You could have <laughs> you could have a bunch of stuff in process, like, oh, I've got this idea and this idea and I could do that and I could do that. And then it's like you see one movie and you're like, oh no. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all my plans are ruined and I'm never going to finish that story now. It's just like, you never know what's going to throw you off and how do you get back? Um, You know, sometimes like um over the last week, I- I've come to dread looking at my email. I mean, I dread it. I dread opening up my own email account. Um, it's because uh, it's, it's a source of stress right now. and. Reader entitlement is 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 part of that, you know, and uh, people just being genuinely upset is part of that. It's it's not always like directed. It's it's not always like there's 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 not like this heaping pile of abuse sitting in my email right now. But even questions about the the harmony situation is stressful because it all. It's, it, I mean, it's a big vicious circle, right? Sometimes just an outpouring of sympathy can feel like too much to deal with. It's like everybody's being so sweet. And it's like, how do you say this is overwhelming me? That might be, you know, it just gets to be too much sometimes. And the funny thing is. The the people who are nice about it. And the people who are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I I love this. And I love that. And you do you and you take care of you. It's like, okay. Thank you. But now I feel guilty as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, there's that too, and the thing is, our emotions don't always have to make perfect sense, because I mean, she's gonna, Kira's gonna feel however she's gonna feel, even if she knows she shouldn't. You can't necessarily stop that cycle, Um, but. It's one of the things that comes up a lot in situations where whatever, because sometimes when your creative reset is related to something that happens with readers or reader entitlement, as opposed to any other stress or like health or whatever. um, One of the things that inevitably comes up, inevitably, like at least a dozen times is you've got to have a thick skin. And that is honestly like one of the worst things you can tell somebody i think i'm coming to actually hate that phrase you've got to have a thick skin because it, it's almost meaningless well, it's, anymore it's it's borderline gaslighting yeah and it's almost meaningless but that kind of terminology came up and kind of came around when when there was a great deal of distance between like it's partic- let's talk about let's talk about the isolated area of creative people and the people who consumed it like you know authors back when you p- only pretty much had p- print publishing or artists or whatever there was a good deal of distance between them and their p- readers between them and their fans right they didn't interact with them directly very much outside of book signings or conventions or whatever and i'm not trying to draw a direct comparison here but go with me on this. Um, but where they tell them to have a thick skin is like with their book reviews, right? You can't take it, you can't take what a critic cri- what a, a critic says about your book and have it mean anything about you, right? You got to have a thick skin. That's what that terminology kind of that's where those kind of terms kind of came into being about, right? It that and then they keep telling you that in a world where you are besieged every day with people coming at you. And it is one thing to have somebody write you and tell you your story is pathetic and just you roll your eyes and throw it in the trash. It's another thing entirely to have to deal with death threats or um, rape threats or, um, you know, people going into groups with thousands of people and publicly bashing you for not indulging their whims. I mean, that is you don't, or hurting uh, their feelings. Having a thick skin quote unquote about direct critique of your work is one thing but why should anybody have to develop armor against abuse? That is not whatever what having a thick skin was about because critics were not ever put in place to be abusive to authors or artists or actors. It was in theory to provide a service to viewership or the readership, this is what you're getting into if you go read this book or go to this movie or go see this, you know, go buy this artist's painting. It was not intended to be direct abuse. So having a thick skin about criticism is not, should have, has absolutely nothing to do. There's no equivalency to having a thick skin about abuse because being told to sit still and deal with and tolerate abuse, because that's just the way it goes. And because, and, this is the thing because readers are entitled to abuse you. And that's the mentality, right? That's what they're saying. Readers are entitled to abuse you. You have to have a thick skin about it. And then if you phrase it that way, they go, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. You actually are exactly what you're saying. Um, The Harry Potter fandom is, is, is a double-edged sword for me because on one side of it, I have a lot of readers who are very kind and very thoughtful and very excited to get whatever I give them. And then there's the others. And yes, they are a minority, but in but in that minority, I've had people threaten me with a beheading. I had a reader literally threaten to cut my head off because they were unhappy with what I was doing. I had a reader hope that I got raped in Harry Potter. I have been called a bitch, a cunt, a diva, a drama queen. For not tolerating that. And if. Kara reacts to it. She's told she needs to have a thick skin. And not to be dramatic. Don't be dramatic. Don't be dramatic. Fuck you. And you're dramatic. Fuck you. It's. Just... I mean it's. And then you know. I have readers telling me. That they're entitled to my work. Yeah. <sighs> Like they paid for it. Except they didn't pay for it. Readers and fandom have zero rights when it comes to the intellectual property of of others. Not a damn one. They have no rights. You don't have the right to have copies of other people's work that, that they put out there for free. I mean, and a lot of people think they do. And they get bit with you. Um, and I put out a list on Dreamlist today of the, of the harmony works and, and that I took down from that were, that were excerpts, not completed works, but excerpts and what I was going to do with them. Um, and, and what their status was, I did this cause I got tired of answering these questions over and over and over and over and over and over again, an email, 32 emails today got the link instead of an actual response from me. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm really tired. And and the more emails I get, the more disgusted I am with the fandom. And what looked like a year sabbatical a week ago feels like a five year hiatus now. <laughs> you know, I'm fucking full on Mexican siesta. <laughs> <laughs> I just I mean I mean, I'm an old lady, a lady holder. I can't guarantee no mustache. I mean, some days I get tired of plucking that shit. I can't be the only one. (laughs) I would love to see Esther with you, Senna. (laughs) But um, we talked earlier about following and how um, when you only have one fandom and this happens to you, um, where do you go? Where do you go? What do you do? Well, more often than not, in fandom, what we see is writers completely retreating from fandom and never coming back. And sometimes they find a new fandom, and but I think a lot of the time, they don't. They, they are so disillusioned and so hurt and so disgusted by the treatment that they've received, and they don't see anywhere in fandom as a refuge. Because they don't have any other fandom connections or any other fandom relationships. And they just retreat. They Right, Quinny. They just retreat altogether. And then they're gone. We've talked before about um, Minka's situation with the abuse she was getting. Um, and the abuse started because... yeah, Minka was in the NCIS fandom, for those of you who aren't aware. Yeah. And she wrote a Harry Potter... I mean, blah, 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 blah... Freudian. She wrote a Tony Dinoza fic where he was um, a Navy SEAL. Yeah, and she got a lot of abuse for writing him as a SEAL to the to the degree that she left. Um, she was on Fanfiction.net, and to the degree that she left Fanfiction.net for a while, there was no sight for her. The thing is, I don't think that. I think it was a core group of people that just got a hate on for her and wanted to abuse her, for whatever reason, and they would not leave her alone. And she actually put her stuff up. But she created her own website using that that software that so many so many websites, you know, small archives were on for a while. I can't remember what it was called. Um. Anyway, she put up. She like what Rayfate uses, right? yeah sort of yeah um no e-fiction thank you e-fiction um it was actually like it's actually some kind of like web software that you install on a server it's not like um it's not like what we do with wordpress these days anyway she put everything behind a membership wall you had to be a member to even read the stories i was a member briefly um and they're all that you should put up the rules. This is how I expect this is what I expect. This is, you know, I'm doing this to keep people from harassing me. And, you know, you're, you're becoming a member of my site with the agreement. You know, that this is how you're going to behave basically. And they found ways to get around that. They found ways to go ahead and create c- accounts so they could get to her and leave shitty comments on a, on a, what was now a private site, a private author site where you had to be a member. Um, and, and, that was how motivated these people were to abuse her for her choices about what she wrote with with tony and i was just and then people would say when you i've had i've seen discussions with people about minga and they say she needed to have a thicker skin thicker than what i mean a thick skin about uh, basically what amounts to cyber stalking um, abusive behavior, gaslighting. That's not what we need a thick skin about having, having a, a thick skin about, you know, I literally that cut co- pathetic comment. I had this, somebody decided to just come drop in on a lot of my NCIS fix one day and just leave the comment pathetic on them. <laughs> just <laughs> it's pathetic. Asshole. pathetic. That's just asshole behavior. <laughs> I was like, whatever. And the thing is, here's the thing. There are people that, that would traumatize. It doesn't traumatize me because I actually do have a pretty thick skin about that kind of assholery, right? Obviously, he was trying to be uh, he was trying to be abusive in his own way, right? Trying to bother me or something. Um, but whatever. I just rolled my eyes. I felt like his efforts were pathetic. So, you know. Um, yeah, that's my exactly. I thought they were saying they were pathetic. But... Oh, hey, dude, if, if no, you're listening, I'm sorry about your penis. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I had somebody else send me a really long ramble, basically, for a lot of the story praising emergence, and then talking about how I had created the perfect setup that would have allowed for reasonable male pregnancy in a story, reasonable and pregnant NCIS, and I didn't go there, and I obviously was a coward, and then the, another paragraph about what an awful person I am, and what, you know, and how I was just... My shameless cowardice was something just painful for them to see. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you've never written male prague, No. So, so why would they expect it? I don't know. But here's the thing. That didn't bother me. I actually laughed about it. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Whatever. Because I kind of find these those efforts to be a troll, to be sad. It's sad. Honestly, it's sad. I'm not trying to get people to up their game, right? I'm just saying I find it sad, because honestly that kind of thing doesn't... Well, sometimes a criticism can throw me off for a day or two. I actually do have a relatively thick skin about criticism. I really do, because... And that's what it's about. When you talk about having a thick skin, is there was a point in my writerly life when... somebody somebody criticizing anything I wrote. We've all been there as writers. We've all been at that stage where somebody tells you that something is badly phrased. You want to die inside. You're like, it was badly phrased? It's like, is that that not like the worst thing you can tell a writer? Is it something is badly phrased? Because that's the whole thing they do is phrase. (laughs) So, um, but we've all been there. And at that stage, if you're at that stage of of a writer where somebody giving you somebody saying that and they shouldn't be unsolicited critique is just bullshit. But if you're at this, that stage where that can put you off, you're not ready to post online. This is true. You are not in an emotional place where you can, can deal with that kind of thing. So, to me, that's what a thick skin is about, right? It's about people to let people's assholery kind of slide off of you. But there's a difference between kind of trollish assholery and people just critiquing you because they can. And they think that it's like their, their contribution to the world is to give critique. And being abusive. There's a difference between that and giving threats. Yeah, I mean, tell me you do my work. I don't actually care. Tell me you're going to th- you know threaten to cut my head off. I'm going to forward your email to the FBI. Cause I did. By the way, so pe- but people will gaslight you by telling you to have a thicker skin, or telling you that you have to tolerate that kind of stuff when you're on the internet. You don't. You don't. Just because some group of two or three thousand entitled readers tell you that you have to be prepared for that kind of stuff when you deal when you're in an online online these days, that doesn't make it true saying something enough in the hopes that it would that it will become true wish magic doesn't actually exist um they did mm. <laughs> some authors invite critique they say if you see something wrong let me know and you know what that's their right to invite your critique and some authors say i'm not interested in your critique and guess what it's their right to say that they don't want your critique and i don't mean you i know all of you people are wonderful i have to go to the corner you said there was no wish magic. Oh, <laughs> you hurt feelings. It's a good. It's a good thing, boo. There wouldn't be any peeps. Four people, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Some days I feel more like misanthropic than not. Um, yeah, peep, peep, motherfucker. Because if wish, because if wish magic existed, I would have laser beams coming out of my eyeballs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, it is something that can really, if something happens where somebody is abusive to you or they attack you, they go on a campaign against you. And this kind of stuff happens. They go and they get their little their their little minions and they say, you know, go go after this person. There'll be Twitter attacks or they come dogpile you on Ao3, or they come after you on your website, chase you down on Facebook, whatever. Um, one lady threatened me very cleverly one day about how you know she had a brother who was a um something about her brother's computer skills i don't remember exactly how she phrased it i i better be careful if she was going to hack my facebook account and fuck me up i forwarded that to facebook <laughs> i don't actually have to take that you know um but she thought that 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 was would be a threat that would i don't know and the thing is cyber hackers can do a lot of damage so it, I, if somebody actually were to thre- threaten cyber to, to attack you through hack through hacking I would not take that attack, that that threat lightly. I would forward it to the appropriate people and say, this person is making these threats. I actually doubt they have the skills to follow through on it, but that's not the point. Um, anyway. Um, but when people come after you or and they come out and they, they basically start a campaign against you, a, a, an abusive one... Perhaps the worst thing that anybody could say to them at that moment in time is you have to have a thick skin about these kinds of things. <sighs> I want to start a campaign against everybody who ever says something like that and see how they feel after a few weeks of abuse. Got a thick skin yet? <laughs> How's that working out for you? How is that thick, how is that thick skin going? Um, I opened up um, All the World two days ago to to do my read through and to start my second draft. It was nauseating. So I closed it. And a lot of people think that it's about file sharing. It's not. It's about you know about five years ago, I largely retreated from like the social part of The Stargate fandom. Um, I never was in the social part of the Sentinel. Um, But over the last year or so, I let myself um, get a little involved in the social part of the Harry Potter um, fandom. So these people that have been sending me abusive emails and making snarky comments on my website that I've been deleting um, and using my contact form. To send me shitty emails um, and who abused me on this big giant public thread in a group full of several thousand people. Um, I actually interacted with them and knew them ish. I knew them ish on Facebook. Some of them are on my friends list. Some of them are still on my friends list. Some of them are not. So it isn't like you know what I mean? It's like when you see somebody you interacted with on a regular basis, calling you a cunt and a selfish bitch. And um, it's, yeah, not complete strangers. And, you know, I never liked her work anyway and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. You don't have to like my work. I don't give a shit. But (sighs) the other stuff. And then for me to be called a diva and um, a drama queen for setting a boundary. That's just just, that's just straight up gaslighting. And it only got worse. Once they realized that the excerpts. For Harmony were gone from. E- Evil author day. Um, and so you know. And that boils down to their own. Selfish greed. Because like I said on Dream With. Um, and, and what Julia said earlier. Th- there's a big difference. Between getting criticism for your work. And being treated. Like a misbehaving. thick machine. Because a lot of those people don't treat you like you're an actual, real-life person. And any kind of protest you have on that is chalked up to being um, dramatic. Or childish. (laughs) Or childish, yes. I'm having a temper tantrum. I'm having a hissy fit. Like I'm not a grown woman. But and so I don't want to spend the whole time talking about this. So but the problem th- that, that, that those are the circumstances that led to my reset. So one of the things that um, I've done for myself is separate out my works from progress for the harmony pairing that can be edited to something that I can live with and everything else that I can put aside until I feel better about it. Because what happened is, is that they ruined my OTP for me. And again, it wasn't about the file sharing. It was about the abuse. Well, what came out, I think, I mean, I'll just throw this out there. I know we're trying to close this this topic, but I found one of the things to me that was the most disheartening was that people were nice, that people that were nice to your face on a daily basis actually were storing up and and holding in a lot of apparently really hateful feelings that they had kept quiet about because they didn't want their fic machine to go dark on them. And the minute they had the opportunity to unheap that you know unload that abuse, they did. And it was the, the it wasn't even the strangers, right, that heaping abuse on you that was no. the issue. It was the known people. It was the known names, the people that you had talked to and interacted with who had been in your space that you had tried to help. That was you don't develop a thick skin. I'll say for betrayal. So you don't have to. Here's the thing. Um, you don't have to agree with an author's stance on something. You don't have to. People have different feels, feelings about file sharing. You're entitled to your opinion about it, okay? But to hold a grudge against an author because they don't agree with you about something is, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And to bottle up that feeling, Kira doesn't want my, and people really are butthurt. We're really butthurt about the unsolicited beta thing. Because it came up a few times, right? Really butthurt that that's the way Kira feels about um, critique on her work, as she calls it, non-solicited beta. Very butthurt about that comment. And the thing is, here's the thing. They don't have to agree with her. Nobody does. You don't have to agree with Kira's feeling about critique on stories. But, there's, but why would you be so bent about it? So bent that she didn't agree with you and didn't value your opinion, that the minute you were given the opportunity to badmouth her, you took it. I mean, wow. I mean, there was a time when we could all just have differences of opinions and still coexist. But there are some people in fame, and we've talked about it before, that all they do their only contribution to fandom is their opinion. And when someone tells them that their opinion isn't welcome. You might as well be challenging them to pistols at dawn. Yeah. No. Tall poppies. Mm. Great video. Yeah. So. Um, anyway. These things lead to. People just hit. People hit a breaking point. They hit a breaking point, and they will. And it's not about criticism. It's about just too much. And sometimes the thing that pushes you over is not even the thing, is not even emblematic of the problem. So I did a fandom reset. I think it was in 2016 when I pulled my works from AO3 and moved them just to my site. To me, that was kind of a little reset. It wasn't. It was. It felt like major at the time, but it was not like I just retreated from fandom entirely or anything. Um, the thing that pushed me over actually was not emblematic of the problem I had been struggling with on Ao3, but it was just the just one more thing, just one more thing, and yeah, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And sometimes the straw that broke the camel's back is a completely different, you know it's not actually straw at all, right? It's it's a straw that's been destroying you and somebody then puts a ribbon on you and you're like, I can't cope anymore. <laughs> um, I'm done. So the email that I got was patronizing. The one that pushed me over the edge was patronizing, but it wasn't abusive. It wasn't, you know. And so I've been dealing with some other stuff, but that patronizing email was like, I can't cope with this anymore. And somebody asked me about six months ago or something around that sometime late like last year if i were if how i felt about having left ao3 would i regret it would i do the same thing would i ever go back there it, there are circumstances under which i would go back to ao3 i already know what they are uh, i've worked it out but there was a point last year where i wished i hadn't left ao3 and it was strictly around the fact that i didn't feel good and that i felt really bad for several months and i just did not want to deal with my own website um and i would, you know i was like a I wish that I was in a position where I could just shut my website down, and you know there was just that moment where I just wished that i I hadn't, but I got over it, you know, I got over it um, I am more and more than willing to take care of your website for you. <laughs> I will, although you probably don't want to give me that kind of power because I'd be in there organizing your shit. <laughs> my shit's not unorganized, I know, but it's not like mine. that's true. <laughs> Our OCDs don't match. But um I would behave, I promise. But I but I would help you if if, if you ever wanted it or ever needed it. Um OCD is actually pretty complimentary most of the time, but there are some things where we go, okay, I gotta ah. do it, I gotta do it this way. I got <laughs> she gotta do it that way. It's okay, we've got two different things because there's some critical It's errors. not yeah, it's not always compatible. Yeah. Um so but yeah, you know, one of the things they asked me is, you know, would you do it again? And I think that if i were in if i had if the perspective of now looking back then if i could have given myself the me of 4 years ago the perspective i have now what i would have done instead of just taking everything down is i would have put all of my work on moderated i would have put it all to logged in users only and i would have never i would have stopped posting new works to AO3 and left up what was there already that's what i would have done instead instead of cuz i um AO3 doesn't really give you a way to communicate with your readers, and um, I actually can appreciate that. I mean, I actually eventually had to put private and close a thread um, that had hundreds and hundreds of comments of people who basically panicked when they went to Ao3 and found my work's gone. Now, how they found my work's gone so fast? I was like, that just really astonishes me that people figured it out so fast. But okay, I, people noticed it happened before I had a chance to I'm write a post butkers. and say I took that down. <laughs> um, you know, and the fees, I actually, I do have some empathy for what that panic's like, because there have been times when it's like, an author I really love leaves the fandom, and I, and that feeling of loss is immense, and I completely get it, okay, I completely get it, and so I would have, probably would do it differently just to save everybody that panic, but if I decide to stop writing fanfiction, I would also go back to AO3, but it's important to also, more important than anything that more important than trying to have perspective or anything it's important to take care of yourself and in that moment i needed to be done with the culture with 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 fandom culture on reader centric sites and never ever mistake that archives are reader centric and that culture was killing me that reader centric culture was just doing me in as a writer i couldn't deal with it and fandom is largely reader centric culture most fan groups are going to be reader centric. Um, I just I couldn't deal with it anymore. But like I said, if I had the perspective of now, I would just have put everything on lock, you know, so that people who weren't logged in couldn't comment. So I wouldn't keep getting these anonymous troll comments, um, and I would moderate everything. Um, but you know, that's just the that's just the perspective of. But I needed that break. I needed I needed to get away from reader centric um fandom culture and that was how i did it at that time um and i think that's one of the things that's really important when you hit those moments of whatever it is that is pushing you kind of to your limit whether it is you know this kind of thing like what we're talking about here or whether it's some other major stressor in life um is how do you how do you how do you get your groove back um or more importantly how do you reset what do you do to reset what does that look like and sometimes people's reset is nuclear sometimes their reset button is 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 launching a nuclear weapon um and some people's reset is just to put all of their email in a folder and not look at it till they feel better about life i've done that kind of reset it's a very quiet one it's i turn on some filters in gmail that are already created that At the time, it was like AO3. Like all my AO3 emails would go into a folder. All the emails from my site would go into a folder. Um, And no one got responses from me for like three months. That was how I handled it. It It's a quiet reset, but it also people worried. I started getting the proof of life requests, you know? People started trying to find (laughs) me on social media. Are you alive? Are you okay? What's wrong? Did you die? Did someone get sick? Are you ill? I'm like, whoa, I better tell people I'm fine. (laughs) Did you fall and hit your head again? We're concerned. Yeah. Um, so sometimes someone's reset button is, is kind of quiet. Like they just, you don't hear from them for six months or whatever. Um, sometimes people's reset button is nuclear. Their fic all gets deleted. Their online presence is gone. There was someone I was following fairly recently. I was actually following a work in progress. One of the, one of the, one of the few pages. Like if you go to my AO3 works in progress that I follow, it's like four pages. I think maybe less, maybe three which actually isn't much. I know people who have dozens and dozens and dozens of works in progress they follow, but it was one that I was following and I was, it was being updated semi-regularly and I could never figure out what happened. It's like they were there and then they weren't all their works were gone. Their social media accounts were deleted. Tumblr was deleted. Facebook was deleted. Um, their Twitter was deleted and it was just like, and that's a nuclear that that's nuclear dude. I, and the thing is, I saw multiple comments in Live Journal and on Discord. And, Where is this person? And uh, nobody had an answer. Nobody knew. I I worry. Well, worry, but also don't worry because if everything is getting deleted, that's overt, right? There, I mean, it takes time, and it's difficult to catch everything. Like if someone. Unfortunately, if somebody dies, the kind of purge that would happen if somebody dies would be kind of gradual. They'd catch an account here or there because you've got to find the account, and then you've got to prove that you have the right to have that person's account taken down, and it takes time, right? So it, it wouldn't just happen all at once. When it happens all at once, the person who owns those accounts did it. That is sheer evidence that they did it. So they desperately needed to get out, right? And they did it right then. And another way of resetting is something I found out recently. I had a um, a writer friend and I found out she had an alternate pen name. And I was like, oh, what have you been hiding from me? <laughs> I was like AO3 and I found her, 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 her other pseudonym. And I was like, dude. So I reached out and she said it was a, basically it was a reset for her because she was, um, Basically, a BNF in this pfft, stupid term, um, in this one fandom, she was very, very popular and it was very stressful. So, she picked up a new name and, and, and a new fandom and never connected them until she went to AO3, where she put when she put up all of her work, um, under the two different pseudonyms. And AO3 is a lot, a lot of people who had to have multiple multiple pen names to function in fandom had to have they really did. Um, and AO3, the AO3 is is very different. It's it's very it's very fandom agnostic. There's not ways to really have like a back and forth dialogue outside of the comment section. There's no friending, there's no chat rooms. So a lot of authors are reclaiming their pseudonyms, and you're finding out, oh, that's that's what your name you wrote under. I'm okay. Um I got 50 new fix to read. (laughs) Yay for me. So I, I had mentioned like if an author dies this is this is how this kind of would go down differently. I wasn't trying to make light of an author dying, but it also s- someone's de- works or something can be down due to due to, you know, them passing away is sort of it's not a that's not a reset. That's just a tragic loss. So, um for I think that in when it comes to fandom, like when I, when an author dies, um it can it can be it's a it's very personal. It feels very, very personal compared to when other people, like, I remember when when Joanne Lindsay died, I was like, dude, no, it was very upsetting. But when Bob Minn died, well, when Bob of the Bob Minn writing duo died, I I cried. Right, that breaks your heart. Cause in a way, fandom is a, it, for all that it's enormous, and it and it's but it's also very small. And when you're within your within your fandom, a lot of times people get close. They've noticed, they've at least seen each other around and interacted with for years, and it's really difficult when 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 someone's just suddenly gone. Um, and you know, but in terms of resets, I had a. Um, I had to do a reset. It was a health reset, but it affected fandom, right? I um I was sort of, you know, I was sort of getting back into fandom after, you know, my whole implosion with the X-Files thing. The X-Files, well, that was a reset too, but that was sort of a I'd been doxed and I kind of had to you know, flee. Um and do my best to you know, take that presence down as much as possible or because lo- I didn't want to risk losing my job. Um but also because people are assholes, I had to be careful how I did it. I couldn't make a big public deal out about it because um it would have made it worse. Dark. Yeah, it would have made it worse. I just had to kind of quietly go away. Um so but then I got back into fandom a while later. I started getting back into fandom. This was things were more cent- centered on live journals. So during my my blip of my break between, you know, um X Files and coming back in to the fandom. Um Things had moved more to Live Journal. There were much more Live Journal. There weren't as many Yahoo groups functioning at that time. I mean, they still were there. Fuck, they're still Yahoo groups. You know, sending out stuff now, but uh, they're just announcement lists anymore. They don't actually store anything. But um, so I go over to Live Journal, and it got it got very busy very quickly. And it got overwhelming for me. It got very overwhelming. The demands of multiple communities and a lot of different people. And I'd wound up um, kind of mentoring a lot of writers and normally it wouldn't have been a big issue. The the, the burden wouldn't have been a big issue, but I, I had a really demanding job at that time and I was having some health problems and I got just a really bad case of pneumonia and I just wasn't getting better. And um, my fandom life was just sucking all my energy. And, You know, if I was offline for a couple of days, people would get really butthurt about my lack of response to things or telling me I was falling down on my role in certain communities. And I kind of ghosted everybody. I just had had enough. I just, one day I couldn't deal with it anymore. I had to like, I had to survive my life, which was stressful in and of itself. And I had to, you know, I had at that time I had to, you know, survive my job and, i was working 60 hours a week and i was sick and it was just a hot mess and i just vanished from everyone and it it wasn't like i intended to ghost everyone it's just i stopped going to the computer i just stopped logging into that email account i just went away and i don't think i'd even realized how long how much time had passed um when I went back, when I kind of went back and went, I need to check that email account and see if anything has happened. Because I, I didn't, I would admit, I didn't handle it well. I didn't handle it well, but I was at my limit. Um, there had been a lot of stuff happening in family. It's just those tests you talk about that have you kind of like meet, you know, mark how many they give you numbers for stress, right? Mine was so astronomically high, I couldn't believe that I was even functioning based on deaths in the family and personal illness and moving and job changes and. And I couldn't deal with with this fandom life, and so I finally go back. I go back to check my email, and I hadn't thought about the two or three people I was actually pretty close to. I just hadn't, and that they were really worried, and that they were really hurt that I had just vanished, and they thought I was dead. And I felt terrible, and I, you know, I apologized to them for kind of just vanishing like that. But I don't, and I never blamed them for never getting over the kind of the hurt of me just ghosting them that way. But that's the truth of how I handled it back then. It wasn't right. I didn't handle it well. Um, it was kind of a passive-aggressive reset. But it, I did what I kind of felt like I had to do at that time to survive. Because every time I thought about logging into that email account, I wanted to, like, purge my entire computer. I just couldn't face it. I couldn't face the demands. And so I vanished. It's understandable. Yeah. I think it's human. It wasn't right, but I think it's human. Um, now people know how to actually get a hold of me. So if I actually vanish, people be calling my house, which is fine. Just fine. We're <laughs> <I'm> like, <sighs> I might text first. Might yeah. <laughs> um, you cool over there? Are you all right? <laughs> a single letter will do. <laughs> but. I did have a i I did have a disappearance in in fandom. Um. Uh. I guess has it been like five years? Five years, longer, six, seven, seven years. Um. I uh I was gone for about a month, month and a half. Uh. I I got, I found a lump in my breast, and I responded to that discovery by going to bed for a month and a half and I got up to my inbox on live journal was full I didn't even know my inbox on live journal could get full (laughs) so I just went I I can't delete everything (laughs) because I could not deal with that right I couldn't deal with it and then I went over to gmail same thing I had like 500 unread messages. It's been eight years. I had 500 unread messages, so I just marked it all read, and I put a note on the live journal. Like, look, guys, I'm I'm here. I'm sorry. I had an episode. Um, things are better now. Sorry, I have crawled if out of my blanket. For <laughs> if you sent me an email, I didn't read it. I'm sorry. I just can't. There were too many. It was overwhelming. I went back to bed. <laughs> but, you know, n- now I'm in part... I actually, part of it is that I'm in a more supportive community. Like, if I went and told the, you know, the bitches or or the mod team on either server, because we've got, you know, the mod teams growing on the servers, and said, I can't cope right now. I can't deal. Somebody needs to take over handling this thing or whatever. Somebody would just step up and do it, right? They would just... They would, they would get covered. I wouldn't... Ha- I would be able to say... I can't cope without having to worry. I'm going to get kicked out or, um, you know, get deleted. It helps to have the shit. It actually is your shit. Well, our shit. Yeah, that too. (laughs) That helps. It does. It really helps to have ownership of your spaces. Yeah. There is there is genuine cover um comfort in owning your spaces. Um my website is is my space, I decide what goes on it. Um nobody gets to control that. Um and that is very uh, comfortable for me. I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah, it is, it is much more comfortable. But, but also, that's one of the reasons why I encourage the people who run sprints over on the writing server is don't ever let yourselves be pressured into r- running sprints if you don't want to run sprints. Um, because I don't want people to dread coming to the server. And if people are feeling like they have to do something or like if they're logged in, they're going to have to run sprints, they'll stop logging in. and That could be detrimental to their own writing. So um, I don't ever want there to be like a punitive system, you know, where... Um, you know, if you can't participate the way you have participated in the past, that you're out, you're out, you know, you're off the team. We don't want you anymore. I don't want that kind of environment because that's a little bit kind of the environment that I had. And it wasn't, um, a lot of it was my fear based upon things I saw them how they were treating other people and the pressure. Are you not going to be able to, to do this? Are you not going to be able to perform? Are you not going to be able to do these things for us? And it was exhausting it was exhausting. And it was too much pressure to time. I couldn't handle it. And I didn't feel like I could. I could. didn't feel like I could hit the pause button. Without losing everything. And then it just kind of all kind of imploded. And I got a pause button. Whether I wanted one or not. And that happens. I mean. You can only just. You can only take so much. Everybody has a limit. And being able to recognize. When, you, when your limit is approaching. And setting a boundary. Um, can be difficult mm-hmm. especially if it's the first time you've it's happened to you usually when it when you when it happens like the sec, next time you're like oh i've been in this i've been here before i know this feeling of getting overwhelmed i know how i don't I need to back off but the first time sometimes it sneaks up on you and slaps you in the face i mean when i took my when when i had my come apart that lasted a month and a half i'm i'm, I'm not kidding when i said i went to bed i mean I went to bed. I got up to pee. I got up to eat. Uh, my husband may have forced me to shower three times a week. I, it, it, it's fuzzy. Um, I had I had to wait to get um, tested. I thought it was cancer. I did not want that. I didn't. I couldn't. Even now, thinking about it. and the same thing is, that I recently had that scare again, but. My response was very different this time. It was like, I mean, you know, we all went, we we kind of all went through that month of mammograms together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it happened three times, right? Yeah, yeah, because one time, the second time threw me for a loop. Well, the first, well, there was the well, there was the blanket fort one where you disappeared. Then there was the one where you—that was the second one—and then I had us. Well, the the second, I've had three lumpectomies. What was the one, Before. there was one that it started, like you and we just started a rough trade. It was when we were doing Harry Potter, not Harry Potter, but we are doing. um. That one turned out to be a cyst that we identified in a ultrasound. Okay. Cause you, so. know, you had, I remember you had, you'd like posted one part of whatever you were going to do for that rough trade. It was an April rough trade. You'd posted one mm-hmm. part and then you pulled it down because you said you were bowing out of the challenge and you kind of vanished for the month. Um, that's when we discovered we had some real entitled authors on our hands. Because um, they got really butt hurt because Kira got out of the challenge because they they came to Rough Trade to basically leverage Kira's popularity without her without her audience they felt like that that wasn't worth it for them to be on Rough Trade. I was like, you can go, <laughs> really? No, you can go. See you, bye. But no, I mean, yeah, we well, there were some people who bitched at me for pulling out of that challenge. Um, that will turn out to be a sis. So I've had four incidences um but it was really difficult but it's difficult to write when you've got that on the brain yeah it's been by experience Now the first time was I was under 30 I thought um that this is it I'm going to lose my breasts I'm going to lose the ability to have children um at the time I thought I could still have children um that turned out not to be the case, but that's a separate issue. Like it was, it wasn't even, I mean, it was just like my, my whole life was falling apart. I was engaged to be married. I actually told my husband um, at the time we were just engaged that maybe we should just break up. So I, I wouldn't be a financial burden. He told me to kiss his ass. Good man. Good man. <laughs> you tell Barry White, I approve. <laughs> I was like, fine. Be that way. <laughs> I mean, that was like 16 years ago. So yeah, I kept him. Yeah. Um, I put a ring on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that was that that first time was I was like, I just was just I thought my life was over. And then the second time hit me, and I think it's because of all that stress from the first time just piled up on me like in an instant. I mean, I was married now. I had this high stress job. I was um in fandom and people were kind of being demanding um I, I wasn't dealing with it well because i'd come from a professional arena where i never really had to interact with my readers and to fandom where readers are in your face it was very different it was very stressful i didn't have room for anybody else's feelings so not even my husband's i mean you know for I ignored everybody. My own mama had to come threaten to hose me out of the house with a fire truck. She meant it. I asked her if the fireman would at least be hot, and she said no, because I didn't deserve a hot fireman. <laughs> Can you imagine? My own mother told me I didn't deserve a hot fireman. Harsh. <laughs> very harsh. But then the third time it was just ah oh, fuck you know I was just angry and it, I was too angry to write. And then it was like and then there was these assholes on Rough Trade who and I love the guys on Rough Trade for the most part, but there were these ones in that particular challenge that were apparently only there because they wanted my audience and when I re- retreated from the challenge because I thought I had fucking cancer again um they acted like I ruined their life. Y'all, but this last time it was just like, you know, okay, let's get another mammogram. And let's do an ultrasound. Okay. Let's do a biopsy. This is, this is good. Can I have this doctor? I like her a lot. <laughs> you know, She's my favorite one out of all the ones I've had. we we'll have a podcast about <laughs> mammograms, you know, we'll, 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 we'll have a tit cast. Um, we'll have a tit cast. We'll talk about the 600 bite mammograms I had to have in the month of December. It wasn't six hundred. It was like five. I had to have five and four, three, no, and three of them took place on the same day. Because what happens is, is during a d- during a biopsy, is that um, they do a mammogram before, and then they do a mammogram during. They the it's a mammogram like procedure where they squeeze your booby into place so they can get the, they can get the thing in but that didn't work because they couldn't get a good angle on it because my breast tissue was too thick so then I had to get like a manual mammogram a, a manual removal where they went in with a little vacuum like sucking machines through it y'all I watched the whole thing and I'm like this is so weird my doctor's like why are you watching <laughs> close your eyes I'm like no it's so weird <laughs> you've got a vacuum in my boob. I have never been unconscious for a for um a biopsy civil. I have been conscious for all three of mine. I was I was I was conscious. I think I, I got volume with one. I was awake for my needle aspirations. Fine needle aspirations, but but I mean they could they went between my ribs to do my biopsy, so I didn't Dude. I didn't want to no. be awake for that. You know when they're actually going into your chest cavity. No, thank you. Um, I do have control issues. Yeah. Like, why are you watching? Yeah. But <laughs> she know, was so appalled that I was watching. It was adorable. But then afterwards, while my boob was still numb from the Novocaine, um, they did another. They did another mammogram on my boob. I was like, "Are you?" Se-? I actually held it. I was like, "Seriously? You just... I was you like can't, you no? Can't, you can't squeeze it now?" <laughs> But then, then, if it wasn't bad enough, she said, okay, and then you're going to have to go back to your regular doctor in three weeks to get your new normal mammogram. Like, but I I don't want to. So wait, that's actually six. Because there were three the day, there were two before, and then one after. That's a lot of boob squeezing. You're lucky they're not pancakes. Right? And I was like y'all m- my husband went to um, he was in the room for for one of them you should have seen that man's eyes <laughs> he was like what in the world are they doing to your boobs <laughs> his eyes got wider and wider and wider <laughs> oh that's not normal <laughs> Say, <aren't> you- <laughs> it's not right it's not right it's not right <laughs> oh that's just not right <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you should were- have seen his face when I told him I had to have a uterine biopsy with no um painkiller. He was like, "What?" I said, "Yeah, they didn't even." She didn't even. I didn't even have Novocaine. Nothing. Women are fierce, y'all. They are. Um, but the thing is, the first time you tripped into this, I- and the thing is, I re- it really honestly sucks, Lars. You have to keep going through this, but you're. Um, You you definitely have a progression of dealing with it differently because it's like it's never good. It's it's probably never good for your writing, but it's like you know how to cope. You know what you you know what your coping strategies are. Um, You probably even yeah. I mean, I wrote I wrote all the world while all that was going on in November. Yeah, and you you probably know better now how to best protect your creative space, your creative mental space during those kinds of things then certainly than you did the first time this happened. I mean, in the, the last year when we were, we kicked off and we were working on um, feeding frenzy and we learned, I learned a lot about how not to run a challenge because of my health problems that happened in the middle of that. And we were, we were going at pa- at a pace. I mean, and the thing is part of the thing, one of the things that keeps a challenge like that actually really going is you've got to have somebody driving and, um, I don't know. My doctor started talking to me about blood cancer. I just stopped. Just stopped. I mean, I didn't like disappear. It wasn't like I ghosted anybody, but I basically stopped driving that thing. It was like, it fell off my list, <laughs> right? It's like, if you have the list of things you're going to do today and you draw the here, you know, you you can do 10, there's 20 on your list. 10 just don't get handled. And the feeding frenzy, um, feeding frenzy, fell off my list for me. And I kept thinking, I'll deal with that next week. I'll deal with that next week. It never made it that above the line. It never made it above the line for like months. And so it was nobody's fault that I learned that you have to have different people doing different aspects of like, make sure this is happening and not just have it all on one person, right? Because we actually had quite a few people working to, you know, ostensibly, you know, on the admin team for that challenge but we hadn't like d- divvied up roles or anything. We just kind of were all going with the flow. And when it turns out I was directing the flow as it were, and when I sort of just it never hit my priority list, it just kind of stopped stalled. So it went from probably would have been done in probably six or seven weeks to taking more like four or five months because, yeah, but we but we did finish it, and it was awesome. We did. Yeah. I have no regrets about that. I just learned some stuff about how to run the challenge. It's like, so that you don't have a single point of failure. Um, because if I had been more aware, if that was my first time dealing with that kind of thing, I mean, of all the health problems I've ever had, I've never, well, I had to deal with the cancer thing. It was very different when I was younger, but anyway, um, if I had been more aware of. And the way you found out actually was really stressful too. That's true. I mean, there was a lot of stress around that. Was that was also just not that, but the frankly unprofessional behavior you were also dealing with. Yeah. Well, what I found out later was that um, my my hematologist she dictates to her. She has a transcriptionist that um, that she she basically doesn't take any of her own notes because she sees a ton of patients, and so she has this transcriptionist who basically wanders around with her, and so the transcriptionist basically had made a mistake in transcribing when the doctor had, the doctor had gotten some results, test results, and she had read off with these, you know, read off diagnosis and stuff. And it was supposed to go in the notes part of the section that only the doctor has access to, to discuss with me the next time I came in. And instead it got put into the diagnostic section of my chart that I had this blood cancer and um, several of my doctors share a chart system. So, um, I go to this another doctor completely, and they're asking me about. We're talking about medications. He says, "Well, I don't see anything out here for your cancer." And I said, "What?" He said, "Well, I don't see anything on. Any what? Are you, what are you taking to treat this this blood cancer?" And I was like, "I don't have blood cancer." He said, "Yes, it's it's in your chart." And I was like, "Well, someone made a mistake." <laughs> so no. Um, so it was very it was very stressful to like i'm like what is this right so i go look at my own chart and and yeah there it was i was like oh i didn't even know what it was and i wouldn't have known by the name that it was blood cancer so i go google i go oh i didn't know cancer could be chronic Hmm. Hmm." and that's kind of my level of reaction at first was just kind of huh chronic cancer so it was just it was a it was a weird way to for it to come about and i didn't have an appointment with that doctor for like another month and um it was just it was odd it was an odd way to find out so i uh and it all was going on at that time and so i was just really stressed out and uh of all the things I do the feeding friends, they just never quite hit, hit my list. Right. Of there were some things like when somebody would finish a piece, I would go and say, okay, it's your turn to write. But then I wasn't driving, like getting edits done, baiting. And so I learned uh, from that. I dropped the ball. I'm not judging myself for it or anybody else. It just is a thing that happened, but I did learn, you know, note to self, here are some things to do to make a more efficient challenge, you know, so that there's not a single point of failure. Um, and that, and it's not, I didn't actually press the reset button at that time, but I kind of, there was like a, a reset I didn't intend, which is where I kind of dropped several things off my plate because I was overloaded and, and wasn't handling it well emotionally. But I was still here. I was still on Discord every day. I was still interacting with people. I was still on Rough Trade. I was still doing challenges and stuff. But there was just a bunch of stuff that just sort of fell below the line. There's probably a bunch of people who contacted me that month. I just stopped reading my site emails for like two months. <laughs> just it- nope. You know, I- because sometimes you have to say no. You just have to go nope. And you need to, re- I guess, respect your own limits um, and acknowledge when that. When your brain, when your body is telling you, hey, slow down, stop. You're fucking yourself up this time. Earlier in the week, I had not, I, I in retrospect, I realized I probably have not, I had I had not been eating very well in response to the stress. Um, and my mom took me out to eat and um, we went to a Chinese place. It was very good. I really enjoy the food there. I always do. But I hadn't put a whole bunch of stuff in my stomach. But I didn't want to not eat well in front of my mom because then she would be all bit, you know, I was gonna say bitchy, but concerned. <laughs> and so we go over to the cafe after we eat, and I'm feeling kind of nauseous. So I think, well, I just need to sit down. I'll have some 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 Sprite and it'd be fine. It was not fine. It was not fine. Fortunately, I made it to the bathroom in time. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And I was like, "Why?" Because I don't, I don't, I, I wasn't sick, and I'm, I'm still not sick. And it was because I had not been eating well, and I put too much stuff in my stomach, and it just like went, "Nope." <laughs> because stress will do that to you. Good and bad stress can can ruin your appetite, right? Because not all stress has to be negative, but stress often reacts on your body regardless of negative or positive in the same way and my stomach was not thrilled with me it was like oh no you didn't (laughs) (laughs) it's like bitch we're gonna have i'm in charge (laughs) we're gonna have words i lost four pounds in a week is this because? And it's also not, also true that I am taking medication now that just was ruined my appetite. But I, so I put myself on a schedule to eat. But when I was really stressed out through most of the week, I just wasn't eating. I would just dismiss my note, my my, my little alarm to eat. I would just dismiss it without without actually eating. Like I'm not talking to you right now. So, yeah. So, knowing, um, knowing, knowing and setting boundaries is really important. And, don't let, one of the things about setting a boundary in fandom is that people, um, get offended. Mm -hmm. One of the first boundaries I ever set in fandom was, I don't need your feedback. The second was that constructive criticism doesn't actually exist. Um... (laughs) I mean, constructive feedback, yes. Constructive criticism and fandom, no. But I don't want constructive feedback either because most of the time, in fact, entirely all the time on my site from now on, there won't be any other excerpts ever posted again on my site, um, I only post completed works. Why would I want somebody's constructive criticism on something or feedback on something that is already gone through two drafts and a beta, and I'm done. Why would I want anybody's opinion about that feedback on something finished. Thank you for reading, right? Feedback on something that is finished is not helpful. I, people think it is, which is weird. It's like, oh, I'm gonna I can, so I can help you improve in the future. It's like, yeah, but I didn't invite. No. I didn't invite you to to mentor me. So go away. And that's what it comes down to, right? Is that's kind of a mentorship thing. It's somebody who thinks they can help you improve your writing. They're trying to step into some kind of mentor role, and I mean, you know. I'm gonna go back to the three Fs. If you don't feed me, fuck me. Your finance, meat. I don't care what you think. And when it comes to my writing, I don't even I, let him who does that have that opinion. When it comes to my writing, <laughs> I'm pretty much the only one that I'm gonna have any let anybody have any kind of say over is the uh, the financing side of it. <laughs> and then and then can, provisionally. Um, so I mean, when when you hit. I think one of the things that happens is once you've had a heart a reset like you've you've had some kind of I don't know nuclear reset of some sort. Um you've ever had something really big has gone which on which you've done. Yeah. yeah, you did the nuclear reset. Yeah, well one of them I didn't have a choice. There was one that was sort of like a soft nuclear reset which is kind of where I ghosted everyone for a while. But one of the things that I think that um is when you've done it you recognize the warning signs, you know, when it's getting to be too much, you know, when, so usually it doesn't, isn't quite so bad the next time. It's not quite so. And sometimes you do what I did this most recent time with the health problem. Cause I have had like hard resets from fandom for a while, big breaks from fandom over health issues. And this time, which was actually, you know, pretty significant issue to deal with. I just kind of, it was kind of invisible to most people because I just became a little uncommunicative off of Discord, right? I wasn't going to social media outside of Discord for the most part. I wasn't checking my email. But most people didn't notice that. So a lot of it was just like, okay, I've been here before. I know how to deal with it. And I know how to cut out the things in fandom that are stressing me out rather than just having to cut out all of fandom. So I think it's it's an acquired skill is kind of a strange way of putting it. I don't know that that's quite what I mean even, but um, you do get better about handling your need to take a break. Um, But I think that's actually really an important aspect of it is that you do give yourself the ability to take a break when you need to. Um, Whatever it is. If you need to, if you need to take your excerpts down and think about it till you feel better about, some people then that's what you need to do if you need to take a break from phantom altogether then that's what you need to do if you need to delete your work that's what you need to do i would say as a writer like literally deleting your work completely is probably is pretty close to nuclear like you are done um if you're feeling that way and that's what you need to do then do it um because it's yours it's yours and no one has the right to tell you what the, what you what you can do with it. No one has the right to tell you where you should post it. No one has the right to tell you that you should make your site more readable. I actually don't mind considering readability and if somebody tell if, if somebody were to approach me and tell me that there's some accessibility issues with my site, I would work on dealing with it. I would. Because that's a readability issue, right? And for somebody who is um needs to use a screen reader or something. If they're having issues with navigating my site over something specific that I can actually address, I would work on addressing that, but that's not the same thing as someone telling me what to do with my stuff. Right. Well, it's like the epic amount of stuff, the feedback we've gotten over going with a darker background on the sites is it's ridiculous the epic amount of whining and butt hurt over those dark backgrounds and complaining is just honestly. And the thing is people who don't like light background stuff have been using reader modes for years because we don't like white interface. And when a lot of sites gave the ability to, to, to switch things up and go dark, like discord, um, else do we oh bwe is dark background there's some ass sometimes facebook can be dark you can get plugins that makes facebook dark um when when that became an available the available option i was definitely going to go that way because i don't didn't want my own website to give me a headache but when when we went that direction on basically all the sites kira very thoughtfully Put up something. I completely gacked it from her, sold it straight from her, and put it on my website. <laughs> and I put it on the quantum Bank site, Explained to people how to use the reader views that people who don't like white backgrounds have been using for years. I mean, and man, the whining, the epic, endless whining. And I get that. I, it, it can be. I don't mind. I, I understand being taken aback by it. The first time I went to a dark website, I went whoa. Although the first time I went to a dark website, it was a black background with bright white text. And that's actually worse than black on white. That is, there's something very horrible. You should never actually do a completely black. If you're doing the all zero thing and all F's on the white, no. But it practically glows. It does. And my astigmatism, it did glow. It was was like a haunted screen. But so, yeah, I, I don't. If you had a reaction to it negatively and you learned to like it, that's fine. You you can react negatively. You don't even have to like the dark. You really don't have to like it. We gave you tools to figure out how to get it back the way you want to see it. And yet, <laughs> the bitching has been endless. It still happens. It still happens. And actually, in that kerfuffle last week, was it earlier this week? When was that? It was last week. I don't remember. Whatever I can't keep track of time anymore. Um, it's been going on for about a week and a half. Yeah. That in that whole kerfuffle, one of the things people were bitching about was the websites. It's like okay, so it's like we're I'm. It's like somebody sitting there going, "I'm so butthurt about her websites that now that it's okay to say nasty things about Kara, I'm going to bitch about all the websites that she's got and how awful they are." It's like, oh dear God. But my side is beautiful. It is fucking beautiful. And you don't have to agree. No one's making you. And I have a whole goddamn page dedicated to making it less beautiful for you if you insist. If that's the kind of thing you need to do, this is how you can make it happen. But that's just the way people are, right? So I'm just not here for the endless whining. I can't deal with it. The lime green. The lime green. There was I got irritated because when I was on WordPress.com, it is super easy to change your theme on WordPress.com. Just to let you know, super easy, and I like I would I would have a new theme every fucking week because I was just like I wasn't comfortable. I hadn't figured out what I liked yet, right? And also, it was a toy, and I used it like one, like oh, I'll just be this today. <laughs> okay, and I didn't, and I wasn't putting any art up or anything. It was just like different styles of just the page format was different, right? And different colors, and then I someone bishoped me about it. I want you to know, I went over to WordPress and found the most ofen- offensive layout I could find. It was three columns. So, that made the, the reading column really tiny in the middle. And I put really busy stuff on either side of it. Because it was really distracting to read on my site. And then, I made it orange. This is what happens. This is what happens. <laughs> she makes her site unreadable. Or, despite unreadability. Or, she blocks Germany. You know, (laughs) I took it back. I let Germany back in. (laughs) I know you did. I'm just saying, this is what happens. You don't want to, you don't want to poke that dragon, guys. And you just don't want to. (laughs) It was day glow. It was day glow orange. You remember that dark? (laughs) People were, and it only lasted like 24 hours, but people, people were like, oh my God, Kira, what have you done? You know, and the thing is, I get people have a reaction. I I absolutely do get that. That's not an issue because, like, I briefly, I briefly had a when I was, um, I briefly had a um, my sight went blue. I've I've gravitate more towards like sort of themes with purple in them sometimes red or even green but for some bizarre reason i did a my first dark website when i went dark was blue it was dark blue background dark blue everything was blue and i was like i don't know why i don't really, see the things i don't like blue that much um and when i got rid of it somebody wrote me and said oh I, i'm, I'm kind of glad you get rid of the blue i like the purple i didn't mind the comment at all because i don't care if people have preferences I don't. You know, it's fine. But it, I like the purple, but I also like the blue. You know, yeah. I don't, you know. And the thing is, I saved the blue settings, right? Because our theme, you can export the settings, so I saved that. Yeah. I saved that color configuration in case I ever was having another blue moment. Um, it was my blue period. But, um... But, you know i didn't mind that somebody wrote me and said you know that they they really liked the purple that the blue seemed really cold and that, that wasn't and they actually said something like they didn't associate my side with sight with coldness and they thought the blue was really cold um it, they didn't say it to me while the blue was up they waited till i changed it to purple before they said they liked the purple better but i was fine with them having a preference what i'm not fine is could you please switch your site back to the 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 black text on white this is this this is not readable I'm sorry. There, here's a whole page of how you can do that yourself. Did you see that comment from Sam? No. Sam says in the um in the chat room on the podcast five years ago, you talked about changing the side you had your stuff on because Julie had people complain on her site that the stuff wasn't the same as yours for a long time ago. Julie and I used the same template. We still do, but it's different now. I mean, I think that you know it's different. This particular template had a um a right or a left. Um, column. Now, our current template does too, but neither one of us actually use that. But we used to. I used to. Now she had hers on the left, and I had mine on the right. Or was it the exact opposite? I've always I had mine been, on the right. Right. I've always been a favorite. I've always favored left-hand navigation for that kind of thing. Okay. And so people got pissy with her because her navigation. What they said was, "Is if you're going to copy Kara, could you at least do it accurately and put your navigation?" on the same side so i moved my navigation (laughs) now ultimately kira couldn't deal with it for more than like a day she's like i can't deal (laughs) (laughs) the well, there is that person who does think we're the same but that that's a different matter altogether so and then um I had to tr- I had to retire that particular template because it was breaking my pages. Kira retired it long before I did. Um, I used it for a while longer, and then um, when they pushed out a big change, it broke my website in such a catastrophic way that I regretted not copying Kira. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but we all we all of the sites that I manage and Jilly's. I don't manage hers, but and hers, all use templates from us from the same company. Yeah, so RefTrade, Wild Hair, my site, Lady Holder's site, and Jilly's site, all use templates from the same company, um, which makes it really easy for us to. um If something goes wrong with a plugin, it's really easy for us to figure out what happened. Yeah, we help each other sort out these problems, and you know, but the thing is, like I said, I, I don't care if people have opinions about anything you're 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 entitled to your opinion but the thing is you know what i'm entitled to is to not care about your opinion and so if somebody likes one color scheme over another that's fine if somebody likes black or or dark background over a light background that's fine i you're allowed to feel how you feel but it's my website and unless my site had i said unless my site had accessibility issues i don't really care if anybody else finds it to be a pleasant or unpleasant reading experience um, because there are ways to customize your reading experience, and that's why that's why I don't get I don't get the butt hurt around the reading experience thing. It just it confuses me. How dare you make this site not look like AO3? I don't even read on AO3 looking like AO3 because that shit's bright. I have to read um, um, AO3 on dark mode. Yeah, I I can't read AO3 as it is. That's crazy cakes. But I have a dark mode um, plug-in that works fine for me. When I made my skin for AO3, I didn't have a dark mode plug-in. But it's also to... uh, I have to to jack up the font size. Because I got old lady eyes now. And I don't want to pay for reading glasses. So that's that. Um. (laughs) (laughs) My mom gets hers at the dollar store. Her reading glasses. And let me tell you why. Because she loses them. And to date, she's lost like 50 pairs of reading glasses and the first two she she got she got actual reading glasses right um i think she paid like i mean she paid some money for them but now she says she just goes to the dollar store gets 10 15 pairs <laughs> well okay because <laughs> she's gonna lose them so she's like fuck it <laughs> might as well just do it this way but i understand why people pick up a second pin name I get it. Because every once in a while it would be really interesting and kind of novel to, to be anonymous in, in fandom. And not have to deal with other people's expectations, you know? But the thing is Which is why we gave people the option on Quantum Bang to write under an alternate pen name. We have we have quite a few people who opted to have um alternate pen names on Quantum Bang. Um Although really anybody could have an alternate pen name because we wouldn't know if you don't disclose to us, but if you want us to provide you like anonymity where, you know, where like if you, you don't want to have any email contact with anybody outside of the moderation team, that's what we do for people as we'll, we'll shield you. Um, Okay. So doing your reset, um, how do you prepare to get back into the writing groove after a nuclear event or hiatus? Um, Start small. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of those one sentence prompts that we did a real, a lot of a, kind of a bunch of them for a while were, were kind of like for me getting back into a writing group. Cause I, my writing group had gotten really thrown off. Um, sometimes I'll just pick up and participate in a smaller challenge or something, or work on a smaller prompt or stuff along that line to kind of get my brain back into. Um into the groove you know cuz it does you can you can fall out of the habit of writing very quickly and as much as the desire might still be there it it can picking up and getting good habits back going again can be a struggle and that's where the doing something small can really be helpful something small yeah um don't write with the intention of putting it online even if later you do That's fine, but when you're writing, don't approach it from the perspective that you're going to be sharing it with others. So write for you, which you should always 100% write for you, unless you're getting paid, and then you should write for the money. If they pay you first. It's important. (laughs) (laughs) If you cash that check, you you need to write like you got paid. But if you're coming back into trying to find your writing groove, I don't recommend that you do that, you know, write for money. Um, that'd be rough. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think that helps is if you need to have a, if you need to have a reset, figure out this, this is advice to somebody who's had to have the nuclear reset is know what, what what's overwhelming to you. It's help because it's kind of, like when you're in a good place, there are still the things about fandom and about your social interactions that stress you out. Um, and you can figure out what those are when you're in a good place. It's like, ma'am, cause you know, you're having a bad day, whatever it is, you got a fight with, with uh, your lover or your parents or whatever. The thing about fandom that you avoid when you're in a bad mood, those are going to be the things that kind of, you're going to go that you're going to really abandon when you're having, needing to have a reset. Um, and it's not just about fandom, it's also about writing. So it's about what what about writing stresses you out? What about social interaction stresses you out? And if you know what those things are and you can identify the things you're gonna you're gonna that you're gonna give the hard chop to when you're pushing the reset button, you can plan in advance for how to handle that. So you know, maybe you know who on social media you're going to go to and say, "Hey, look, I need to take a break. Could you let people know that I've given you proof of life and that I'll contact you, but that I'm off, I'm offline for a while." Um, or maybe you know that you need to. One of the things you need to do. One of the things I discovered this a long time ago was that sometimes even positive feedback can feel stressful to me when I'm really stressed out, which is why it all goes in the in in a folder when I'm not doing well. Is because and also because. You don't know what you're going to get when you click on that email. You I mean you don't know what it is, right? You just know that it's a notification. So have that have that backup plan in place, right? Have your sort of your escape clause, your escape. What do they call that? Escape. Now the military term. Exfil. Um plan it <laughs> so that you can um so that you can get out when you need to. And you can take that break without worrying maybe everybody around you. Because you don't want to pr- push the reset button and then, like, have years of guilt for the way you did it. Because <laughs> um, honestly, I will never not feel bad about the way I took that one break from fandom. It was really shitty the way I handled it. And I should feel bad about it forever. Because I hurt i hurt some people I cared about. And that's just not kosher. So, um now she can't because I'll call her sister. That's right. <laughs> the ghosting strategy no longer exists. Um... <laughs> Let you hold her back. Win that one. <laughs> so it's just figure out what what is what is going to help you get through the situation, and and then have that plan in place so that. And, you know, and hopefully you won't need it. Hopefully you won't. I hope that for you. I hope that for all of us that we don't, that life doesn't ever get so stressful that we need to utilize our exit strategies. Um, but if it does, we'll be able to just, that's my go-to. I'm going to turn on these filters and I'm not going to deal with my email. And I'm going to tell Kira that I am I'm going to be not online for the next month. And that way there's somebody who knows and somebody who is you know, and in terms of my website, I could say, "Kira, you got an admin account. Deal with <laughs> deal with people. Deal with fucking jetpack, which <laughs> is what she really means. That's what I really mean." <laughs> there were days when I swear my will to live was destroyed by jetpack. I was like, I cannot deal with one more thing, Fuck and I log in. And it's like there's a jetpack update pending, and I'm like, oh, no. "Fuck you, jetpack! I, I can't! I can't! I can't!" It would just be would just be that one thing one thing too many it would be jetpack. It be the jetpack would be the has been the straw that broke the camel's back on more than one day. Um, fucking jetpack. So, figure out what that what it is that you need to do to make yourself better, and honestly, hit the button before it becomes catastrophic. Give, give yourself the space to step back. And if you're somebody who I know, like one of the most stressful situations a writer can be in in fandom is somebody who regularly publishes posts on a whip, like their post every week or every month or every Sunday at 10 p.m. They put up the next chapter. OK, that can be one of the most stressful positions to be in, because when you don't post, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. You're going to, and, and sometimes, and sometimes you push yourself to write and finish that chapter and post it just so you don't have to deal with the 50 emails. Where are you? Why you didn't you post? And there'd be the supportive ones too, the people phrasing it supportive you. I know you, I saw you didn't post. I hope everything's okay. But honestly, at that moment, that supportive email f- feels the same, even though it's not intended the same as the person who says, why didn't you post? Cause it's just a reminder that you didn't post even though the person definitely gonna feel the same yeah even though the person did not mean to come to put you in that position or to make you feel that way it that's the way it feels so you know you're sitting there going i need to be dealing with these funeral arrangements okay this is actually an example that i know of i need to be dealing with these funeral arrangements but i know if i don't post i'm gonna have 50 emails in the morning bitching at me about it so i who i need to be dealing with my emotions but i'm gonna write instead and then and then i'm gonna put it up so i don't have to deal with what people have to say and then i'm gonna feel shitty about that chapter later because i wasn't in the right frame of mind to be writing that chapter and y'all just honestly being a being a regular poster work in progress writer is a very stressful position to be in if you ever need to have a reset so Honestly, That's I, a whole lot of note for me, y'all. That's one of the reasons why I don't do it, because I have sat there with more than one writer like that who's a regular updater, right? Who's in tears because they just can't. They just can't. And they don't want to deal with the fallout when it's not there, when people expect it. And it's one of the reasons why I don't post work in progress. Um, but if that's you if you want to post that way, and I'm not saying don't post that way. I'm saying if it's you and you want to post that way, um, you need to figure out what your what your coping strategy is for when life is too much because it will happen. It happens to all of us. And the coping strategy can't be write so that I don't get harassed because that will make you hate writing. And fandom. And maybe your strategy is that your comments are always modded. There are some authors on um, on uh, AO3 now, who their comments are always moderated. And what they do is they just don't deal with their comment section until they feel like they can deal with it. And then they just, like even when they're back to posting regularly, they don't go back and look at the old comments until they're ready to handle the shitty things people might have said. And it's just, no, you got to know what the pitfalls are of your writing style and how you approach it. Right? Because there are. There are pitfalls to all of it, right? Every kind there's pitfalls. Um and figure out I think some people post on that work and process schedule because they use it as motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Um It's part of I their- don't go on record to say that I don't think that's healthy. Yeah, they're using they're using pressure from other people to motivate them. And I think you pay for it eventually. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a year from now or five years from now or hell, ten years from now, you're going to pay for it. Investing um, your, I mean, I, I think whenever you set yourself up to have others motivate and validate you, you're creating a position where those same people can destroy you. I actually think it's healthier to be the casual work in progress writer who posts whenever they feel like it. If people don't have any expectation than somebody who's a regular poster. Because, like I said, it's those are always the ones I, I, back in the day, I wound up in private chats with trying to calm them down because they couldn't deal with the pressure anymore. Um. It is a terrible position to be in. And some people, it, it may even be that it's not motivation, but they just consider it like it's part of their good writing habit, right? Like they write during the week and whatever they've written during the week that gets posted on Sunday. I actually know a few writers like that. Whatever they write gets posted on Sunday. And they usually are very linear about what they're working on. So they only have one or two works in progress at a time. Um the thing is that then that's fine. The thing is it, it does put them in a vulnerable position because what happens when they can't when they can't write anything? Literally can't. Right? There's ten people in the house, you know, because of of a death in the family or or they're stuck they're stuck overseas because they were been in quarantine because of coronavirus. We actually had somebody write that, that they were um, I don't even remember the context, but they'd been put in quarantine. And they were. Yeah. And they're apparently using the podcast to entertain them. Oh, Sorry. that's right. The podcast. They were downloading. <laughs> they're trying to find something and they're downloading, you know, all these hours of podcasts or something so that they would have it for entertainment while they were in quarantine. Like, okay. So, I mean, that's a thing. That's a thing. You might find you don't a- come out. Of, don't come out of quarantine hating us. Right. <laughs> I never want to hear those bitches again. <laughs> so the thing is is that whatever kind of writer you are know know what your backup your strategy is for you so that you can be so that when you need to put a pause on writing or on fandom or on social media that you know what a pause for you is you know what that looks like in a way that you don't regret later Because there's nothing that will compound the fact that you needed a pause and make it worse than the situation that caused it, than you know the fact that you handled something shitty and you feel bad about it for eternity. But one of the things that I had to do for myself um, is um, to just 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 to tell myself and mean it that I cannot control other people's emotional responses. To my choices when it comes to my work um when it comes to my positions on constructive feedback um on whether or not they care about my typos you know i i can't i can't control what they feel and i don't want to They're entitled to those emotions and those feelings. Um, But at the same time, those emotions and feelings are not my responsibility. Um, I am not in any single way acting out to purposefully upset or hurt any individual reader with the removal of those excerpts from EAD. Some people are very upset about it. They're entitled to be upset about it. That's not my responsibility. And a long time ago, I had to make the decision when it came to my writing to either please myself or to please no one. Because you can't please everyone. And I can't have one, I can't just pick out one reader at random and say, okay, I'm going to write everything you want. I'm going to make you happy. How is that reasonable? It's not reasonable for me. It's not reasonable for all the other uh, other readers either, right? So if I have to pick somebody that I'm going to please when it comes to my writing, that someone has to be me. And that might sound, I don't know, um, egocentric or selfish. But what other choice do I have? Right? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how it could be egocentric or selfish to. Because writing for other people is. That's a. It's the road to not writing. Not creative writing, anyway. I mean, that's. That's a whole other kind of writing. Um, yeah, you get paid for that. <laughs> that's called ghost writing. Right? So. I don't know. I just. I find it to be. I just find people's expectations sometimes to be very strange it, and, and like they'll tell you just something to me sometimes it seems so like it's so off the wall like it's just so so your story would be so much better if it was this and it's like and, it, and if it had been something I'd heard from 50 people I'm not saying I would consider it but you know I could go okay where I could see where you're coming from but it's like okay you're the first person out of like the hundreds of people who have read the story who has said that um so should I make, you know, I mean, it's kind of like they're expecting you to disregard everybody else like to make them happy. I don't know. It's just, I just. That's exactly what they expect. I just don't. That's just weird. I just like know. the two different people on Dream With today who demanded, you no, know, pardon me, asked me to send them copies of my work. One, because they believe they had the right to it and compared it to buying fiction compared well, it compared it to you taking your stuff down offline he was may was compared to you going into his e-reader and taking a book back that he had bought right I, I i was flabbergasted i'm still flabbergasted over that analogy i was like i just i was like because he's under the impression that he has a right to my work as if he bought it when i saw that i was like saw that in the sense that Kira told me about it, not saw that in the sense that it's up on online, but um, I was so flabbergasted. I was like, are my reading comprehension skills low today or something? That doesn't even make any sense. Kira, ta- <laughs> Kira, Kira taking down her work is not like Amazon going into her his Kindle and, and taking a book back that he had purchased. How is that the same? Y'all. Yes. Amazon can remove content that you've bought. Um, if it turns out to be fraudulent in, in some way, whether it's a copyright violation um, or uh, and I think you know, in some cases, if like there's a reprint, it can happen. That's kind of rare. I mean, it's very rare for Amazon to do that. It has to be a special set of circumstances, but they do reserve the right to do it. So, but it was just so bizarre that Kira taking down, you know, preview of an unfinished work was compared to, something he purchased. <laughs> her her sneaking onto his Kindle in the middle of the night and spiriting away things he had bought. I was just like Now, I have several works on my Kindle that have been out of print for years that have not been removed. So, even going out of print does not equal automatic removal on Amazon. Um there's there it, it is a special set of circumstances. Actually... Um, that usually involves rights Author rights. Yeah. Actually, going out of print should. Intellectual property rights. Going out of print alone should not equal the book being removed. Because all that means is that the publisher no longer has the right to sell it. But it doesn't mean that the sale that you have is invalid. Right. But there there is a special set of circumstances. You don't have to worry incessantly about Amazon coming and taking all your stuff. Um, It is a very special set of circumstances. Um, Because more often than not, Amazon sides with um, the customer. They don't want to have to refund you, especially when it comes to ebooks, which is why you can return an ebook even after you've read it, which is ugly within a certain period of time. But yeah, no, I think that's just I have a cousin who returned a book that she bought a year ago on um uh, as an ebook because she finally she read it and didn't like the ending. So she so she got a refund and was proud of herself. That's gross, yeah. so. Well, pe- people will just, they make up these stories that they tell themselves that somehow this makes sense to them, right? It somehow makes sense to them that the, that the fact that this was ever online, that they'll have this narrative, the fact that Kira ever put it online meant that she doesn't own it anymore. That it's theirs to do with as they please. And that when her taking it down is, is somehow her stealing it from them, which is just... And no, he didn't phrase it that way, but that's basically what he said. That's, that's the same logic he used. And it's just, no, that's not the way that works, baby. So I think it's just important to know what your limits are. And sometimes if you can't bear to have, the funny thing is, I told my sister about everything that was going on. I read her a bunch of stuff. I read her some threads. I read her, I read her an entire obnoxious, um, I read her an entire obnoxious thread on Facebook. As a matter of fact, I read it to her. And she said, so she the never, big one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, not the big, big one, not mm-hmm. the one on the file share group, but, but the one that actually caused the problem. Um, so I read it to her and she's just sitting there and she's, she's playing her game while she's listening. She casually asks me a question and then she goes, so she took all her work down. Right. And I said, well, no, not all of it. She just took down her works in progress because well, I'd have taken it all down. I wouldn't have wanted <laughs> those people to ever set eyes on anything I had ever written ever again. <laughs> she said, they don't deserve to read it. <laughs> <laughs> tell y'all that was full of spite you're lucky she doesn't write fan fiction <laughs> one person would have pissed her off and she'd have, she'd have, she'd have, literally she would have she'd she have salt and burned the entire world because one person pissed her off <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't just one person for the record no. um there's one person in particular but not just one person One person had the power to open the door To cause the problem That a bunch of people participated in So in a way It was one person Yeah. If you get a little You gotta be careful about You got a little bit of power What you do with it Inciting a mob is the wrong thing to do with your power Just saying Like ever Yeah I mean If it had been her sister It wouldn't have just been Germany would it (laughs) She'd have banned the entire (laughs) (laughs) She She'd have found a way to take all the people she likes to Mars and she would not banned the planet Earth. She'd have been like, no. <laughs> Speaking of, I started, I'm in the middle of chapter three of, nice. of, of, my, Mars, of, of my Mars book. I'm really excited about and it. And that's the thing. Sometimes your reset is focused on something that has absolutely nothing to do with the thing that's pissing you off. You know, if the NCIS fandom is driving you absolutely bonkers, go write a hobbit fic. You know, sometimes you just if if people are are just giving you too much grief about a story that has, you know, certain thematic elements or whatever you just can't deal with one more person asking you when it's going to get updated go work on something in a different fandom or with a different theme or that doesn't remind you in any way shape or form the thing that is upsetting you because the last thing you ever want to do is open up your work and hate it just for the fact that it exists which is where i currently am with um with all the world which honestly when i was writing it i thought to myself this is actually one of the best things i've ever written for harry potter and now I don't even want to look at it. That's just too bad. That's just such a shame. I mean, I feel like it was really one of the best things I'd ever written for Harry Potter. I mean, and it was just like, I mean, everybody has their favorites, right? And and I, that was fast becoming my favorite. And now I don't even want to look at it. They they ruined War Porridge for me, guys. That's just a crying fucking shame, dude. I know. So I'm writing. Um, I'm 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 writing a uh, gay erotica in space. <laughs> Unleash the gnomes. Sometimes you just gotta go. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta go write space porn. I am. I'm writing space porn. Um, it's gonna be the first in a novella series. I've I've already zero drafted the second novella. Um, I've already gotten parts of. The novel three written in my head a little bit it's just like i'm so excited about these characters that i've created which well, that's what you need to do right you got to find something when you need to do an authorly reset and these resets don't just apply to authors right if you need a fandom reset like fandom is just dragging you down you could use these same, same kind of strategies but if you need as an author when you need a reset um you got to find something that excites you about writing again so because it You know, usually it's not your love of writing that's been destroyed, right? It's just your love of whatever that thing was. Maybe you just started really hating dragons. (laughs) Or, you know, a particular pairing or whatever. And you just need some time to focus on something else. Fucking pianos. Yeah. Yeah. A new ship or a new fandom or, you know, something. Even something maybe that doesn't make sense to other people. It's like, why are you off writing Teen Wolf? It's like, because I want to. And fuck you. Because it's nonsensical <laughs> and it's fantasy and and it's um it has so much potential, but it's got so many fucking plot holes. I can do whatever I want. It's got so <laughs> much inconsistency that I don't have to worry about being consistent with anything. Because they don't have a timeline, why should I? <laughs> and because they're pretty. <laughs> yeah, but that's your know, teller. Hmm. Oh Thank goodness, Jesus! Not just Tyler, but J.R. and Ian Bowen, and I mean, it's, like... it's just there, there's a lot of pretty in that show. There's Ugh. a lot of pretty there. Just too bad the writing didn't meet their pretty. <laughs> 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 to amuse myself, and I think you all should play along. One of my main characters has a terrible ex boyfriend named Jeff. So I think it's our um, it's our duty to the Derricks. Yes. To name all terrible ex boyfriends Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> I think we should. We should we should get we should get a little vengeance for the Jeffs. Now I'm not sure. I haven't decided how shitty of a boyfriend he was, but <laughs> my my character dumped him, so obviously. <laughs> so Jeff will be the placeholder for the shitty ex. I like it. I can deal with it. A little karma. You hear that, Jeff? You t- you treated two Derek's badly, and there's going to be thousands of fan fictions. That's more than threefold curse there. <laughs> thousands of fan fictions are going to be doing terrible things to your name because <laughs> we don't like you. Well, if he can if he can create two different Derek's and two different TV shows and fuck them over, I don't know why. <laughs> In very similar, very specific fashion, actually, you know, it's a, yeah. It, it's, I don't. I I feel like we owe it to Derek. Yeah, we do. And we owe Derek. we owe it to to all the Dericks. Um, and if you're if you're Jeff out there and you're feeling, oh my God, what have, what have, what has this Jeff done to us? Just start using your middle name, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any questions about uh, the, the first Derek? Was the Derek in Criminal Minds? The second Derek is the Derek from Teen Wolf. Although he wasn't with Criminal Minds long enough to really mess Derek up, but he messed him up enough. Yeah, that says something really ugly about the whole situation, Hearst, and I really didn't want to repeat that on the podcast, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Jeff Davis was um, um, on hand to help create Criminal Minds, actually. And actually explicitly talked about his shitty ex-boyfriend named Derek. And then named a character, Derek. And then okay. did it again on Team Wolf. Well, I think it boils down to kind of obsession. Yeah. Yeah. But we're what we're gonna do is revenge. <laughs> don't get mixed up. <laughs> spite. It's just spite. I don't have the energy for revenge. But I'm always <laughs> down for doing anything. Low 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 maintenance spite is my jam. <laughs> <laughs> don't use his whole name, just Jeff. Just Jeff. Give him, give him terrible last names. If you Six have, names. if you, if you have two obnoxious ex boyfriends in the story, one of them can be named Davis. <laughs> I don't even know what a spite emoji would look like. I'll have to think about it. What, yeah, that's an interesting question. We already have a peep one. Peep, peep, motherfucker. Although when I first dropped it. I came precariously close to renaming it yippee KA motherfucker, but that's because someone said it reminded them uh, I don't understand why of John McClain. <laughs> like, how does that remind you of John McClane? I don't know, but it got me really tickled. <laughs> that's what they're thinking, um, okay. <laughs> Just a song. That's that that's what you come in with. That's what you D-lark for. I'm 100% on board that. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> they are probably if the spite emoji should probably be some form of cat, that's probably true. I'm never Cuz cats cats are yeah, cuz cats are spiteful as fuck. They really are. <laughs> they look they look you right in the face and knock of <laughs> and knock a vase over deliberately. It's like and you know I'm watching. See, a dog at least would wait till you weren't there. <laughs> it, it couldn't be like one of those yellow cats. I can't deal with the spite emoji. That's just one of those little weird yellow things. It has to be like a cat making a really "fuck you" expression. Right. I shall invest myself in finding one that works, that is perfect. The spite emoji. oh that is just adorable. We will have a server spite emoji. But you know, seriously, l- low energy spite is is where is. is most of the time, I don't have the energy for a well thought out revenge campaign. I have to be really pissed off for that. <laughs> I tell you, most people aren't worth but that much of my time. But this is low energy. It is it's low energy. Just whenever you have a really dis- disrespectful, terrible, obsessive boyfriend, ex boyfriend in the background of your character, just name them Jeff or Davis, or but not both. Right. Or like so, you know, you could do like a Davis Jeffries or something. Or Jeff Davids, right? <laughs> Davidson, like d- just different ways to say it, but without saying it. <laughs> you don't like men named Jeff, do you? Mm. I had an <laughs> issue or two with with with, with the Jeff. Actually, I, I don't have a, any problem with. I've I've known many wonderful Jeffs in my life, but I am willing to engage in this Spike campaign. <laughs> <laughs> We're we are we are seeking revenge on behalf of others. I'm seeking revenge on the behalf of the Derricks because I'm actually not that emotionally invested in it. So this spike campaign is perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> Cause spike campaigns that you're emotionally invested in are exhausting. I'm just saying. I've been there. But I would like to say that my going forward, me changing um, the stories that um, I'm really deeply invested in as a writer to something that I can work with currently is, is not an act of punishment, um, nor is it really an act of spite. Because if it was, I would kill Hermione off. And that's the truth. If I wanted to be a nasty bitch about it, I would just kill her repeatedly in everything I possibly could for the rest of my life. That would be ugly behavior. But that's not my intention at all. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. (laughs) 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 I buried my grandma on that. But just rewriting something to suit myself, to make myself happy, isn't punishment. Because it's not about anybody but me. Me, me, me. I am, after all, me. You are you, and the thing is, the people who are just were just like so broken up that, that that's a quote from a movie. I wasn't being a snot, <laughs> but the people who are who... after all me. <laughs> did, did, did you ever watch Working Girl? Yeah, but what's Sigourney Weaver's said there? Working... And I am, after all, me. Bro, me she's talking to Melanie Griffin's character about Harrison Ford's character proposing to her and she's listing off all the ways that she thinks this proposal was coming when actually he's like actively trying to think of a way to dump her, but she doesn't know that yet. Um, And uh, she ends it with, I am after all me. (laughs) It's fantastic. Go ahead now. Whatever you were going to (laughs) say, I hope you remember because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) My brain is. Oh no, I I had a brain skip. No, um, there's something about. Oh, about some. Couple people were just heartbroken at the idea. I mean, heartbroken, like. (sighs) I've said it before that uh, there are people. There were people in that group that were that made me uncomfortable with the investment they had in my work. Yeah. But the people who are acting just heartbroken, like they will not be able to endure with a pairing change. Like, they'll get the story, but it's going to be whatever it's going to be. It might be Draco Harry. It might be Harry, uh, Harry Faye or Harry um, Daphne or whatever. The, the idea of a pairing change is just, it, it's the worst thing they can possibly imagine. I just want to go, oh. <sighs> I mean... <sighs> Really, if this is the most terrible thing that ever happens to you in your life, then you live a blessed life. But the fact that they couldn't possibly enjoy that story if it wasn't Harmony, it's just like, really? Really? You guys, your your deep investment in a single pairing and a single fandom is unhealthy. Get off the internet and go take a walk. That's my advice. Because... Honestly, if a pairing change could totally just, I mean, it's possible. It is possible that a story I loved could have a pairing change, could be like, whoa, what? But it wouldn't be just because, um, it wouldn't just be because, like, I I couldn't bear to see the purse with somebody else. It might be because the pairing just doesn't fit, right? Um, But also what it boils down to is that when you do a pairing change, like with something like Small Magic, it's going to change the tone. Yeah, it does. And so, a pairing change might ruin the story, but not not because I don't couldn't bear the bear bear a pairing change. It's because it might be because it's not done well. Um, it's like I talked about that story with the author. I'm reading it, and you know, the author has there's an author note down in the you know asking about a poll about what the pairing is going to be. Except I thought the pairing was already set because by the time I'm reading it, there's already a pairing tag, and uh, the, the chemistry was there. And then they just decided they couldn't ri- and write that pairing. They needed to stick with their OTP. So I left all that chemistry in and then just suddenly <laughs> went the other way. It was like it was like whiplash. So it did ruin my enjoyment of the story because it just didn't make sense. But if a writer who I like their work writes a carrot pairing I'm that's not typical for me. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. This may I'll enjoy it, but I'll give it a try. But my enjoyment of small magic is not dependent upon Harry and Hermione banging. Which they never do in the story. But yeah, I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the small magic that, that, that currently exists on my on my hard drive is a, is a little softer than it will be with a, with a pairing change. I could see that. So you know, but I mean, if, if it's just, it'll ruin the story for me if you change the pairing. Okay, well then don't read it. That'll be fine. You don't have to read it. I don't dig Cho myself. I I would not write Cho in a, in a central pairing. Um, um, she's a bully in canon, and I just can't stand that. I'm just I'm just not on board that train. So, does anybody have any questions about the creative reset? You know, for the most part, when it comes to what pairing you go with, I like I don't care. Because I don't have an OTP in Harry Potter at all. No. None. So, but on the other hand, if you had written Harry Cho, I might have gone, I may not have an, OT- Are you an OTP. Okay. But I might have an O T P. Someone um poked me and said that uh I, I had said that Cho was a bully before and then I found her, her character very offensive as a result. And someone poked me and said that Draco is a bully. Draco Malfoy is not a bully. Draco Malfoy is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get confused; he's an asshole. Let's get the term. And if he straight. is a bully, he's an extremely unsuccessful bully. <laughs> so he's a bully. He's he's just not a bully. He's an asshole. And Harry and Draco take turns from practically the moment they meet, fucking with each other, being assholes to one another. Yeah, and Draco, but a- Dra- but Draco is not a bully. he was an asshole to Hermione sometimes, too. But she punched him. So, I mean, it's not like any of them were ever nice to each other. I think Draco was raised um, by very overindulgent parents. I don't think he's an abused child. Um, I think he becomes an abused person after the Dark Lord is um, resurrected. And he's forced to take the dark mark. Um, um, He was um, emotionally terrorized. Probably physically terrorized. By the Death Eaters living in his home. Um, He was psychologically terrorized. And blackmailed into. Attempting to kill Dumbledore. To protect his mother. And probably his father. Certainly his mother. Um, But I don't think he's a bully. And there's one thing. That sets him apart from Ron Weasley. um, Beyond the fact that Ron is a bully. um, And he's selfish and. Um lazy and entitled and Dr- Draco's entitled too. uh Draco never betrayed Harry Potter not once. I can hear wheels turning from here. no, I agree with you um, um we, we, I met them in the chat room <laughs> um, I mean we honestly i I think that we don't we don't see a ton of Draco um i think there's i think there's a lot more in we infer more about Draco than we actually see on screen. Um and the movies also for people who've seen the movies allow you to um infer even more, right? Because of appearance and facial expressions that you don't get in the book, right? Like you can infer things about like Draco will appear in a scene visually. Um that he has no dialogue for in the book and you infer things based upon his facial expression that wouldn't, didn't exist in the book. So, um, but anyway, so there's some, I think there's some of that perception of the book, but um, Dr- Draco was a spoiled, he was a spoiled and entitled. Um, But honestly, in, in terms of bullying behavior, Ron, Ron met that standard long way more than Draco did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think the best example of a bully in Harry Potter is is um, a very successful bully would be Cho Chang. Um, she made Luna's life miserable. And I think her behavior actually made Luna's behavior worse. The worse they treated her in her house, the more Luna lost herself in her own mind. To protect herself. Well, Draco's behavior... Um, his racist language, his disrespect of Hagrid, um, how he treats the situation with buttbeak, that all goes back to the entitlement that his father has instilled into him. Draco is a product of his upbringing just as much as Ron Weasley is. And Draco pays for it. And Ron never does. Unless you count the part where, you know, his brother died. Which means that it, 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 I, don't think that, I don't think that equates, because that wasn't a personal punishment for him, was it? Yeah, that's Fred paying for it, yeah. But Ron betrayed Harry Potter repeatedly. Because betrayal requires trust and friendship, at the very least, at the minimum. Yeah, you can't ever tell me that Harry ever trusted Draco and Canon. So, betrayal was impossible. Even when he was at his most dickish, <laughs> yeah, Ron got the participation trophy in the shape of Hermione Granger. Um, but, anyways, we've already had that podcast <laughs> more than once. Did anybody have any questions about the creative reset? Um, I like think the point. I think it really boils down to creating boundaries. Yeah. No, you're going to probably need it eventually. If you haven't run into needing it thus far, that's great. But I will say that's a ticking clock. Um, we all need it eventually. Sometimes just for just simple life stresses. And it's okay. Little things can get to be too much. You know, it's just a job change, right? There be people who've needed a a, um, a creative reset because just because they change jobs. A job change is in, immensely stressful. Um, but the little things add up that's like adding a cup full of water to a bucket eventually you're going to if you keep adding cups of water to that bucket it's going to overflow even if it takes you forever to do it you are going to overflow that bucket and then you're going to have to deal with the consequences and the mess yeah absolutely So know that if if you haven't ever needed the reset, or maybe you did need the reset and you didn't give it to yourself. Um, But the thing is, it's okay. It's okay to need that time. It's okay to need um, to take a pause, to take a break, to take whatever it's from, whether it's from from writing in general, if you need to take a break, that's all right. If you need to just take a break from interacting with your readers, that's okay too. Um, But whatever it is, it's okay to give it to yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. And it is definitely okay to assert ownership over your creative space because it's yours and over the things that you write because they're yours. You may not be able to sell them because you're using copyrighted characters. It doesn't mean it's still not yours. It doesn't mean that you don't own what you wrote. And that was a bizarre assertion that I saw last week was that because you use copyrighted characters that you don't own. And we'll say it again. If your work is transformative, you have intellectual property rights attached to it. Otherwise, really. My work is entirely transformative. Mm -hmm. I would punch anybody in the mouth who said otherwise. Otherwise, if it wasn't transformative? (laughs) All my work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but if it wasn't transformative what it would do is allow an author if an author could claim if anybody could claim ownership if the if the original copyright holder could claim ownership of a transformative work it would allow them to go in and take the most popular fan fiction out there take it and put it up as their own work right but they can't why because it's not legal and the reason why that has never happened is because it's not legal so if any of you idiots we're participating in that discussion and said those stupid things, hear me say that. You're wrong. And you're an idiot. <laughs> and you're an idiot. It, it is what it is. Just um just take care of you. It's okay to have the blanket for it. It's okay to have the exit strategy. It's okay to take a pause. It is okay to not respond to your comments, y'all. Yo, I appreciate my readers. I used to. I used to respond and talk to every single solitary person who ever contacted me. That started to become a major source of stress. And I. I do respond to people sometimes. I do. I'm not saying I never do, but I don't feel like I have to anymore. And it's not that I don't appreciate the comments. I do. I really appreciate them. But as we've said before, somebody commenting on my story does not make us equal. It doesn't mean I now owe them something. And that is the mentality some people have, is that if they comment on your story, that you owe them an interaction because they commented. It's like, I put hundreds of hours into this story. You said thank you. In what world do I now owe you something? How does that make sense? We are not equal. I never understood that in fandom. So I never actually participated in that culture. And I'm really grateful that I didn't. Um, I respond to comments. When I'm. When I feel engaged. And when I don't. I don't. Um, But. There are people on AO3. Who dedicate a portion of their day. Responding to comments. And I'm like. Are you fucking kidding me? I could be writing. And those two hours you're spending. Responding to comments on AO3. You could be writing. Why aren't you writing? <laughs> right. and, and the thing Who I've, made this a thing? It, and I've talked I to want authors. To know. I've seen authors post comments and say stuff like, y'all, I'm not going to be able to respond to comments for a few days. Things are just really tough. I, I promise I haven't forgotten about you. And they just are really stressed about the fact that they can't get on and respond to comments because they're worried their readers are going to be offended or blah, blah, blah. And I see this massive source of stress in their life that they haven't responded to comments, right? Um, I know an author who getting the story up, it was a major feat. She just, she went through the wars getting through the end of this thing and she got it up and it's like immediately it, whatever, you know, people really liked what she put up. It actually liked it better than a lot of the things she'd posted. She and I had been talking behind the scenes. She's like, oh God, there's already like 20 comments on this story. I was like, hey, that's great. She's like, <laughs> and she was depressed that there were 20 comments on her story because she didn't feel like going and talking to 20 people. I'm like, then don't. She says, no, I have to. I'm like, no, you don't you really don't. So, whatever it is that stresses you out, whatever whatever it is is putting too much pressure on you. You have the right to take a step back from it, you know? And if you want to keep writing and posting and not respond to comments, do that. If you want to keep writing but you don't want to post, don't post. I mean, I know I was the biggest fig in the world for the fact that I talked about. Like, there was one year that I wrote like six hundred thousand words. That was the year I didn't post anything. I was incredibly productive, right, from a writer perspective that year, but I didn't post anything. I think that was, was two thousand seventeen. I didn't post anything, or two thousand no, it's two thousand eighteen. Not mm-hmm. oh, like a single post month. That was when people started asking for proof of life. They're like, "Are you okay? Something? It's a site not working. Are you not working? <laughs> I mean, it's so it's something so, broken somewhere. Yeah. So. And um, did you fall and go boom? right which is a very real possibility with me um and the thing is it's just I just didn't want to deal with posting I just didn't want to deal with it I didn't want to deal with finishing things the parts about writing that stressed me out at that time during that year which was a difficult year was about editing it was about um finishing, the finishing cycle, the beta cycle. I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I just wrote. And I wrote sometimes to really weird stopping places. And I went on to the next thing. And I wrote a ton, but I didn't post a thing because I didn't want to deal with that side of it. Because I knew I just, at that, what was going on with my life at that time, I couldn't deal with that part of it. So I took care of myself and I just wrote and people call me a thick tease because I mentioned how at one podcast how productive I was and how much I got written and they said I was a thick tease I know they meant it teasingly so I'm not pointing at anybody I know they meant it teasingly but it really wasn't a thick tease to say that I was really productive um and didn't share anything um I was actually (laughs) the thing is with everything that was going on in my life that year my writing was my refuge and so I was really glad that the things that were going on didn't get between me and writing at that time because so many things. Sometimes you don't want to share it because it's like, it's like, okay, if I share this, someone's going to ruin it for me. Or even with just, sometimes you don't even want to share it with one or two people because you don't want to have to explain all the blanks. It's like, yeah, like six people don't have a name yet. And <laughs> it's like name, 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 name one, name two. Um. Yeah. There's, there's, like, some a bunch of scenes end abruptly. Yeah, I know. I mean, it. Cause I I wouldn't want to have to clean it. And that's the way it would be. It's like, to let anybody look at it, some of that stuff would have to be spend hours cleaning it up. And I just... I was writing because it was getting me through and helping me emotionally. I wasn't writing to get anybody else's opinion on it or to share it. I just was writing. And sometimes, some of that, I go back and look at it, and I go, hmm, that was interesting. I could do something with that. And sometimes I go back and look at it and go... Wow, I was on a lot of medication that day. <laughs> so. I mean, my break from Harry Potter... I think that even when I start writing Harmony again... It could still be years before I post it. Because I just don't want... I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I want anybody getting her stuff dirty. I don't blame her. The point is, it's okay to have the reset. It's okay to do what you want. If you want to preserve your writing... And um, and figure out what that looks like for you. If you want to be able to write, but you need a break, then do that. There is, for people who only have experience with writing through fandom, they do think that there's a direct connection between writing and posting. If you write, you have to post. You really don't. <laughs> you really, really don't. There really is no... I posted, I mean, I wrote, how much was it? Like almost a million words last year yeah yeah i didn't post all of it i mean, i think my post count was like it was i don't remember what my i don't remember what my recap numbers are but it was 200 and something thousand posted and um last year but it was more than double that written um didn't actually almost nothing, not a lot, not a lot that I wrote last year got posted. Not nothing, but not not much of what I wrote last year actually got posted. Most of the two hundred thousand words that I posted were actually stuff that was from the prior year. So, no. So protect you and your writing space, however, is best for you. And if something is really stressing you out, um then find a way to isolate that thing that's stressing you out and just take it out. Just, just put it on pause. And if you, if this is going to be the less supportive side of this, if you don't want to write, if you can't get feedback, right? If, if feedback is why you write, that's a really different issue. There's no way to, to, to put a pause on writing. If, if, if it's also, if the whole thing is stressing you out, you know, and you have no motivation to write if you're not going to be posting, then don't write. That, that's all I could advise in that situation is don't write. Because if if you can only write if you're getting what you could, what is your motivation or your payoff or whatever, um, but the whole process is stressing you out, then you just need to take a break from the writing. There's no other way around it. I mean, I don't understand that particularly because um, the desire to write uh, is is with me. It's always with me. Um, even when I can't write for one reason or another because my head hurts or I'm tired or I've got a cough. It's lasted 10 years. Um, it wasn't 10 years, but it felt like it, didn't it, y'all? So those of you it who did were last- around when I coughed my way through about eight months of podcast. It did last a long time. Yeah. Um, I want to write. I always want to write. I write in my head even when I'm not in front of my computer. So I don't understand um, the mindset that uh, I don't understand writing for attention. But it is what it is. So if if the attention side of it stresses you out, but you only write for attention, then you have to stop writing. That has to be your pause to stop writing. But if that's not you, if you just want to write, there are ways to put the aspects that stress you out there are ways to hit that reset button. There are ways to join a smaller writing group, you know, Um, join for for encouragement and support, join and get a a smaller writing circle if a big one is is too stressful for you or um, just write it. Don't look at it. Promise yourself that you're just, some people get very stressed out rereading their own work. So promise yourself you're not going to do it. You're just going to read it, write it and let it be what it is. And when you feel better, you can come back to it. But a creative reset is very real. It's very necessary sometimes. And you know what? It's not about having a thick skin. You don't need a thick skin. Sometimes you just need a break. And sometimes you need to just take stuff down until you feel better about it. Sabbaticals, yes. Take a sabbatical. Go on a picnic. Drink a bottle of wine. (laughs) Go spend a few years in Mexico. Set up a masturbation schedule. Just you know, just make yourself feel better. <laughs> and there's no Wi-Fi in prison. That's right. Although I have a feeling someday there will be. True, true. I, I have a feeling that we're gonna have to come up with a new reason not to go to jail. Because I have a feeling eventually that's gonna get corrected. And, you no, know, the thing is, is while I've gotten a lot of grief for taking down my excerpts from Evil Author Day, um, for, the har- for the Harmony pairing, I don't regret it a damn bit. I've got 30 or 40 emails sitting in my email box right now. A mixture of, I'm sorry you had to do that. Fuck you for doing that. Why'd you do that? Why are you punishing me? I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and I don't give a goddamn. I regret nothing. The thing is not having them out there is I'm the the moment I finished removing Phoenix from the internet, I was the most relieved I had been, I don't know, in six months. It was just like, <sighs> I exhaled, y'all. I fucking exhaled. <laughs> and for those of you who don't get that, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> Seriously Margaret, go to bed. You got it. Stop acting like you didn't get it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, but my inner- but Yeah, I did. I was re- I was so relieved and relaxed and I was like, "Okay, great. I feel better already." And even, you know, I still feel better already the- despite the upset. The momentary pangs. Oh, I i don't have no intention of, t- of taking down my completed works. I don't even care to. I mean, fine, fuck it, whatever. Um, Despite the bizarre accusations that you do that on a regular basis. Right, and I never have. Unless you count those, I don't know, 12 hours my site was down when I moved from WordPress to my own domain. People lost their shit. And even that wasn't actually accurate because my WordPress was still, the WordPress site was still working. I had just redirected my domain. And it took about twelve hours for it to resolve. I hope they're not talking about rough trade, because if so, the lack of reading comprehension, maybe Well, someone did mention at some point about all the world being taken down, and then someone immediately pointed out this is on the this is on the at the subsequent thread. Somebody mentioned something about I think somebody meant about rough all the world being taken down. Somebody said no, that was that was just the regular timing for that. Because Rough Trade cleans off three times a year. So I would think that they that's that's separate. And by now you should be used to it. Or most people who read on Rough Trade should be used to it. And you know, we we do get new readers every year and they have to adjust and there is an adjustment period and some whining and some crying carrying on. It's like, oh my god, what is going on here? Well, I would never have read on this archive if I was not an archive. Stop it. It says it on the front damn front page is not an archive. This is not an archive. It's like honestly it's it's not an archive. It's literally on the front page Really, boo, I'm not you know what? I'm just I'm not surprised at all. Anyways, I think that that's enough for the actual podcast if you guys don't have any questions and I hope that um, this was beneficial to you and, you and you're thinking about your own process and your own stress and thinking about your own coping strategies um, going forward. Um, and that you have a fantastic weekend and I hope that National Oreo day was was great. I had some lemon Oreos earlier with my coffee. It's Oreo-less, but, it, you know, other than that. Oh, that's terrible. I know. Say goodnight, Good night, everyone.